Welcome to the C3 Church podcast. Here at church, we are passionate about people and helping them in their walk with God. We hope this Sunday message speaks to you today. How good was last weekend with Elspeth Darley? Great message. Well, today we have a real treat with us. We have a, you know, a real friend of the C3 Church, family, a part of our C3 Church. Uh, even though they're over in Norwich, they feel like they're just as much a part of us. We've got Rachel Morstan joining us with, from Soul Church. So why don't we just give a massive round of applause as she comes up onto the platform today to continue on our series, RPMs. Come on. Thanks, Josh. You're awesome. Ah, thank you. I love that you say that I'm part of the family because I really feel like that because it would be kind of awkward if I felt like that and you didn't. So thank you for the welcome. We love you, Steve and Angie. Become very wonderful friends to us, dear friends. And I appreciate that I was only on this platform a few weeks ago. So it's lovely to be back here. I see it as such a privilege. And I was watching the last few messages. Steve started the series brilliantly, talking about the dull acts and how being strong relationally, physically, mentally, spiritually means that we can be sharp in every area. And um, Elspeth did a brilliant job last week. We had Katie talking on relationships. In fact, as well, Sarah was speaking out at Colchester. I love Sarah's voice. It's so clear and precise on on that screen just now as well. And, um, And it's all woven together, hopefully, to give you some real practical wisdom on how to grow. Because your senior pastors, what I love about them is they want their staff to flourish she, Angie has become a very, um, almost like a mentor to me. She wants me to flourish, and I know that their heart is to see you flourish as a church, not just when you're here, but through your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So today we're talking about the M, the mental part. And I tell you what, when you're preparing a word that is something sometimes very specific, um, you get a, a bit attacked on it the day before, a couple of days before. So I know that this is going to be something that's exactly what's needed and it's going to speak direct to your heart because the Bible talks about heart, soul, and mind interchangeably. So you ready for God to speak to your heart? Are you ready for him to speak to your mind? We teach a lot on RPM, Steve and I, and it's a bit like the dashboard in the car. You know, the RPMs, the revs per minute. And we look at those dials on the car to see how we're going. Sometimes we need to speed up, we need to slow down. And, uh, and if you're currently at a seven, we often say people not out of 10, where are you at physically? Where are you at mentally? And if you're currently mentally, maybe not to 10, just think, where am I at mentally, emotionally? How wise am I? How stable am I? Where would you be not to 10? And if some of you are at a five, what would it take to get you to a six? If you're at a seven or an eight, what would it take to get you to a nine? Because the wonderful thing is this word of God is what's going to help us to get there. So you're ready for God to speak to you. Let me pray for you. Put your hand on your heart. His heart and mind are where we need to change from the inside out. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for every heart that's here. Lord, whatever's going on in our world, I thank you, you know. And your word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it helps us discern the thoughts and intents of our heart and our mind. So speak to us as only you can. Highlight those areas that need to be changed. Strengthen those areas that need to be strengthened as we focus on you in Jesus' name. 
Amen. And a huge welcome out there to Colchester and Berry that are joining with us today also. And online, I know online goes to a lot of places, including prisons across our country. So it's an absolute privilege to share with you today. And can I just give you all a big kiss and a hug um, from me, from Jesus as well, but from me. If I get to hug you afterwards, that's wonderful. But um, the key text that you've been talking about, Luke 2.52, I love it in the NIV. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. The key thing is here is growth. Growing in these areas needs to be intentional. It doesn't just happen. And the context of this scripture is from Luke 2, where Jesus is just 12 years old, and his parents had lost him. And they find him in the temple, and it says in verse 46, three days later, they find him in the temple listening to them, the teachers, and asking questions. And everyone who heard were amazed at his understanding and answers. Jesus, the Son of God needed to listen and ask questions. A big key to our mental well-being is to listen, listen to God, listen to his word, and to ask the right questions. But of all the RPMs, I think mentally is the toughest one to grow and give attention to. Why? Because it's so changeable. We think 45 thoughts per minute. I saw on an Instagram this week by Joe Hargreaves, a faith-filled therapist, she says, your brain receives more information in a 24-hour period than a person living 100 years ago received in their entire lifetime. No wonder we find ourselves subject to some anxiety or depression or prone to stress. Our daily thoughts can be affected by our finance, by our hormones, by our well-being, um, when it comes physically. It can also be internally fear and disappointment and offense. And, and if we want to grow in wisdom, we need to firstly be able to manage our emotions. I found throughout my life, and how many of you know, especially in these last few years, is wisdom and emotion do not go together. And the biblical principle of sowing and reaping, I found that if you want to sow wisdom, I mean, if you want to reap wisdom, we need to sow wisdom. What is grown on the inside will be shown on the outside. Earlier this year, I went to, uh, to speak in a women's conference in Paris, and we're, I'm flying over with a friend of mine, and we're on the runway, full pelt head, and all of a sudden, the brakes go on, and we're thrown back in our seats, and the captain comes on the tannoy to say, we've had to abort takeoff because there was a light flashing on in the cockpit, so he goes round again, for a, and we pull in at the side to fix whatever the problem is, and the, the tannoy comes on to say, I'm absolutely convinced, 100% sure, everything is fine, I'm reassuring you we're ready for takeoff, and we get into down on the runway again, we're going full pelt ahead, you know, the, the full throttle, and right at the last second, again, the brakes jam on and thrown back in the seat. Now, I've flown for a lot of years, but I actually don't love it. It's kind of something that I have to do to get there. I, I, I sometimes in my head, I can't compute that this thing can stay in the air for that long. And um, anyway, so at that point, 
I'm like, oh my goodness. And there's people shouting out some interesting comments on what they think about EasyJet. And at which point, um, they, the captain comes on again, and he says, look, we need to fix something. So they, come, they drive back around, pull in at the side, and he says it's fixed. They go back onto the runway for a third time, and then they go along for a bit, and then they turn off to the side to a hangar, and the captain comes on to say some of the passengers want to get off. And so we have to wait for a while before they bring the steps across, and then about 10 passengers get off the plane. And at which time, about three or four yellow jacket engineers come on and they open up the cockpit and they're sorting something out. And a passenger goes into the cockpit and starts yelling at the captain. You can see all this from my aisle seat. I glance across at Sarah, who's just sat a bit further away from me. We weren't sat together and she's as white as a sheep. She hasn't flown for nine years. She's got little children. And um, I get out, and I think I need to go to the toilet. So I go to the loo, come back out, and there's flight attendants standing there. And I don't know how many of you have ever asked this question or thought of asking, is this normal? And to which one of them replies, no, which doesn't make me feel much better. And then we stand there, and more people start to get off. And then the flight attendant says, I think I want to get off as well. And uh, so I go back to my seat, and I, my heart is going like this. I'm just telling this story because wisdom and emotion do not go together. I call my husband because I don't know what to do. As soon as I hear Steve's voice at the other end, I start to get really emotional. And um, so what do you think we decided to do? If, if you were on that EasyJet flight, how many would have got off the flight? Can I see your hands? Okay, how many would have been tough and stayed on? Okay, they breathe them tough here in Cambridge, including Steve. Well, I have to admit, I got off the plane, mainly because my friend was feeling really nervous. No, I, I take responsibility. <laughs> we got off the plane and we sat on the bus on the, on the tarmac for ages before we finally, long story short, I have to uh, reschedule for another flight early in the morning. Had about five hours sleep. My friend went home at this point. It was all too much. And so I'm on my own. And actually, the flight did eventually take off with a new captain and a new crew. And they did cancel the final flight back from Paris, so we think there must have been something dodgy with that aircraft. Anyway, I'm sat in the, uh, the lounge waiting, because now I have to go via Geneva. It's two flights. And um, I've got my coffee in my hand. It's, it's February, so I've got a white coat on. And Steve calls me, and I've got my bag on my lap, and, and sometimes I'm just not the most coordinated with everything. Anyway, I drop my coffee all over my white coat. I, I say, Steve, I've got to go. I run into the toilet to try and make the most of... I mean, it, was, it could have been a black coat, couldn't it? And so uh, uh, then the loudspeaker comes on in the loose. Rachel Morstan, can you please go to the gate? Your flight is boarding. Like, I've done a lot of flying. I know how to get to it, but it, it was just everything had got too much. Has anybody ever been there when it all just gets too much? And I got on the airplane, and we're about to get ready for takeoff. And I'm thinking, I need to calm myself. I need to calm my soul. And I'm reminded of Psalm 131 that I've taught many times, written about it in my book, Soul Time. It says, and it's the psalmist David speaking, Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul 
within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. King David, a man of war, depicts this beautiful, humble analogy of a child on its mother's lap. You know, weaning is moving from milk to solids, from a passive dependence on the mother to an active trust, a place of contentment, a place of, of, yes, absolute trust that all will be well. And in that moment, I started to speak the name of Jesus, and I put my hand on my heart. Just I'd done many times over the years, and particularly when my kids were little and they'd be crying or fretting, and I remember just nursing them and just just gently, instinctly patting their tummy or patting their, their heart, speaking Jesus and singing the name of Jesus or Jesus loves me. You know, at that moment in my airplane seat, I just felt the most incredible peace that the Bible says surpasses understanding. C.S. Spurgeon says, the sacred weanedness of the heart is possible under any circumstances. It surrenders our desire to the safekeeping of our heavenly Father. We need to surrender our heart and mind on a daily basis to his safekeeping. My soul is my responsibility. So the title of this message is Mind Over Matter. It's my mind. It's my matter. Proverbs talks about not relying on our own understanding, but trusting in him. How can we have mind over matter? A key scripture for the early church and for church thousands of years later, it's a pivotal scripture to Christian growth in the Bible. And the apostle Paul uses strong language. He says, I beseech you, or in the Amplified, I urge you, I appeal to you, Romans 12, 1 to 2, that you, brethren or sisterin, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How do we get spiritually and physically transformed? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The only way we can live physically transformed is to renew our minds. If you want to know God's will for your life, by the way, keep renewing your mind. It's not adapting your mindset. It's a complete renewal and change. If any of you heard of neuroplasticity, modern science has proven that we can create new neural pathways in our brain to replace the toxic ones. But we need to first recognize the patterns before we can bring change. So if you're still with me, Barry and Colchester and online, take some notes. The first point is stay self-aware. Emotional intelligence and the ability to recognize your own emotional state and how it affects others is so important. Taking time every day to think and reflect, to know when you're depleted emotionally. John Maxwell says, to grow yourself, you must first know yourself. Sometimes we just get too busy and we keep going and we don't recognize the signs of a lack of joy, inability to make decisions, overthinking, overreacting, tendency to withdraw emotionally sometimes from others, but also in our relationship with God. Sometimes physical pain and health. See, RPMs 
all are woven together. They all affect each other, as you've already heard. I love that King David, of many of the Psalms that I'm reading today, was very self-aware. He spoke real honestly about how he was feeling in his heart and his mind and his soul. So we need to ask why. King David says in Psalm 43 verse 5, why are you cast down, O my inner self? Why should you moan over me and be disquieted within me? He then says, I'll hope in God. I will wait expectantly for him. I will praise him. He's the help of my sad countenance and my God. He comes up with the solution, which is to praise him, which declare his goodness. The Bible says, from the rising of the sun till the going down, his name is to be praised. Seven times a day, I will praise him. He says to declare his loving kindness in the morning, his faithfulness every night. So if that's the solution, yeah, come on, if we're going to praise him. What he does first is he asks, why? Why? Why are you downcast? And then he asks, what? Psalm 139, 23 in the Passion, God, I invite you, your searching gaze into my heart, examine me through and through. Find out if anything may be hidden within me. Put me to the test. Sift through all my anxious cares. Sometimes we need to declutter what's going on in our hearts. I had to do that during lockdown. Some things that people had spoken over my life that I thought I'd forgiven and forgotten came back up with a series of situations. Previous disappointments. Sometimes can tr that trigger word is used a lot these days. Can I encourage you and in the the most heartfelt, loving way is it's not that person's responsibility, it's our responsibility. And I had to let go of some of these things because I said to God, I want to be a good steward of my mind, not just of my time and my finance. I want to manage well the emotion, but to outwork what you've called me to do, I need to be a good steward of my mind. So why, what, and wait I learn the art of calming your soul before you make a decision, before you act. Um, Hannah Wilson is uh, over at Berry. Hi, Hannah. And uh, she was doing a Find Your Voice course. I run a Find Your Voice course and, and just helping you to find who you are and what you're called to do for women. And she did the course and did Use Your Voice. And we were talking about using our voices. And she said, Rach, that scripture, Psalm 131, about calming and quieting your soul has helped me so much. And she's now stepping up and doing more and using her voice, which I'm really excited about. And I was reminded of this scripture, Hannah, when you brought it up the other week, and I'd forgotten about it, which is why I've included it in this message. But can I just say, that moment on the airplane, I had another moment just a couple of weeks ago before we went away we did some ministry and a holiday. And we all get it wrong from time to time. And something happened, it was, for, it was a family member, and I remember feeling so shook. And going down the worst possible scenario, and thinking, what if, what if, what if this happens, what if that happens? And I started getting really teary and really emotional. I've been praying for this and it hadn't worked out. What do I do? And I kept going down that cycle instead of pausing to prioritize my soul. So I'm teaching other people to do this, but I didn't do it myself, and I wasted a whole flipping day. You know, I'm getting older. 
I don't want to waste one day. Can I encourage you, don't waste a day. Has anyone ever wasted a day by being a bit emotional? No, so you don't do that here. You're all very smart. But I wasted a day. But towards the end of that day, I realized this is ridiculous. And I actually started singing. I know, Steve, you, when you preached that week, you, you sang a song, and songs had helped you with being able to sleep at night. And it really helped me. And this one in particular, it was, Lord, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me wisdom to see things like you do. Lord, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. And then it says, give me wisdom. You know just what to do. And then it goes, I will love you, Lord, my strength. And I will love you, Lord, my shield. And I started singing, I will love you, Lord, my rock, forever all my days. I couldn't remember where I'd learned it from, but I was singing, Lord, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me wisdom. Because when you've got emotion, you actually don't know what to do. I said to Steve, I do not know what to do. But it's amazing how his peace flooded my soul and we knew the next step to take. So first of one, first of all, be self-aware. Secondly, self-regulated. To regulate means to set a standard like a clock according to an external standard to have control over. Our standard is what? Our standard is God's word. We have little control over what happens to us, but we can control what happens in us. We can control our thoughts and reactions. We can control how much we read and pray God's word. We have control what comes out of our mouth. Last time I spoke about the declaration of our mouth. So important with keeping our mind right. A big thing that I found with keeping my mind is loving Jesus and spending time in his presence. Matthew 22, 37, Jesus said the most important commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Again, those interchangeable heart, soul, and mind. We take care of everything in here and in here, and then we can love our neighbors as ourselves. A massive help with my self-regulation in recent months has been the revelation of prayer without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing and everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely that your whole spirit, the RPMs, your soul, your body, will be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord because he who calls you, each one of you is faithful and he will do it. Someone needs to hear that today. He's called you, he is faithful and he will do it. Prayer without ceasing doesn't mean praying all day. We've got things to do and people to see. It's not eloquent prayers all day. It's literally living aware of his non-judgmental loving presence. Prayer, it's just being prayer aware. Prayer is self-care. Praying without ceasing, Henry Nguyen says, praying without ceasing is when all our thoughts, beautiful, ugly, high or low, shameful or joyful, can be thought and expressed in the presence of God. 
thus converting our unceasing thinking into unceasing prayer. Unceasing thinking into unceasing prayer. Once we take the risk of communicating our thoughts to God, they receive a new quality, a new validation that's transformed into prayer. And get this, Psalm 139, verse one to two, it says, you, are, you search me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I stand, you understand my thoughts. Afar off, how amazing. God gets you. You know, I don't even get myself sometimes. Nudge someone beside you and say, I really don't get you, but God does. He understands your thoughts afar off. When I went through a phase of not being able to sleep, in fact, studies show Harvard Social and 20, the Harvard Medical School in 2019 says that we need seven to 10 hours sleep and it fosters mental, emotional resilience. Sleep deprivation can lead to emotional vulnerability, as we all know. You don't get a good sleep. People around us need to beware the next day. But the scripture that I started quoting when I wasn't sleeping so well was 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all my care upon him because he cares for me. In the Amplified, it says, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns. You know what? Worry nullifies prayer. It's faith that pleases God. So throughout the day, when a niggle comes, an anxiety, a worry, cast it on him. And I found as I started doing that throughout the day, a little thought, a little, oh, I'll give that to you. I turned it into a prayer. Instead of a, oh, I turned it into a prayer. And it's like you were letting the air out throughout the day. So by the time I got to bed, I'd already, he already knew about it all. And I was at a place of peace. So first of all, be self-aware. Secondly, know how to self-regulate. And there's many ways we can do that. I've I've focused on prayer. Thirdly, self-motivation as the team come. Your soul needs a goal. What's your motivation in life every day? What gets you out of bed? It will give you a clearer focus to help your ability to manage your emotions, but to know what to say yes to and what to say no to. Remember, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. One of my key scriptures that I love, and I based my book, Soul Time, on this scripture, 3 John 1, 2 to 4, says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth, just as you walk in the truth. We're learning about wisdom. We're learning about how to walk in truth. It starts with a soul that prospers. And I love that when your soul prospers, everything prospers. I remember being on holiday once, that feeling of holiday. How many could do with a good holiday? That feeling when you're away on holiday and you just want to bottle it all up and keep it for the rest of the year. That feeling. I remember the Spirit of God whispering to me, Rach, if you diligently take care of your soul, your mind, will your emotions, you can live like this. So my daughter Melody and I wrote Soul Time, which is a 30-day devotional to help you to understand your soul, fall in love with Jesus. So whether it was 15-year-olds or 50-plus-year-olds, it's helped a lot of women. But it was something that I found, the word prosper in the Greek is you do, which means to move forward. Your soul needs a goal. It's not just prospering financially, it's moving forwards. 
When we become stagnant, it starts to, everything starts to clog up. Dr. Caroline Leaf wrote a book, The Gift Within You. She says, your brain is wired for purpose. It's meant to function using your gifts. We are the most happy and fulfilled when we're using our gifts. She says, when you operate in your gift, you operate in wisdom. People with purpose live longer and they're more emotionally resilient. The Bible says we're all saved and called according to His purpose. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, that special inward endowment directly imparted to you by the Holy Spirit, given by the elders when they laid hands on you. Anyone can lay hands and agree with you and pray with you. Practice, cultivate, meditate on these things so that you give yourself wholly that your progress or your growth, we're talking about growth, may be evident to all. I wonder if we can stir up the gift that is within. Some of you know there's gifts that they've become dormant and you've put them aside. Or maybe there's been disappointment along the way. Or maybe there's not been opportunity. So I teach on our Find Your Voice course and in my book that we've got afterwards, Find Your Voice, it's finding your sweet spot. A combination of the gifts naturally God's given you, your spiritual gifts and the opportunity to use them. And sometimes it can feel like you've got the opportunity and sometimes not, but I wanna encourage you today to stir up the gift that is within you it will keep you motivated for the journey ahead. It will help you prioritize your time. It will help you on those moments. When I was on that airplane, I knew that I was called of God. I knew that I was gonna go to these women and minister. And by the way, we saw so many salvations and so many miracles. I knew that someone didn't want me to be there. But when you're functioning in your calling and your purpose, it's amazing how it gives you an inner calm. Something that I do each day, my daily five to thrive, is I ask myself, what did God say today? Who did I value today? That's a big motivation for me. I wanna value those around me, love them practically, encourage them. Thirdly, what did I learn today? Remember, Jesus learnt and asked questions. What did I learn from the situations? Take time to reflect. Reflection turns experience into insight. And then I ask, who did I teach today? Because that helps us consolidate what we've learned. Helps us be a vehicle through which God can speak. And I lastly say, God, what did I do to the further your calling on my life today? The call of God doesn't change, but the outworking of that does. God, help me to know what to do today. Can we all stand together? So to live self-aware, self-regulating, self-motivating. Can some of you feel, yep, I can do that. Can anyone respond to those and think, yep, I can put those things in place. Are any of you thinking, I failed in that, I failed in that and failed in that. Can I encourage you? There are times when we'll get it right. And there are times when we fail like I did. But James 1.5 says, if any of you longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and He will give it. 
He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but He'll overwhelm your failures with His generous grace. How wonderful to know that whether we get it right or we get it wrong, He's not scolding us. He's putting arms of love around and saying, just ask for my wisdom. I'm not gonna scold you. I'm giving you my generous grace. We're gonna sing, I just wanna speak the name of Jesus. And if anyone is feeling in turmoil right now, you need to calm your soul. Can you just lift up your hand and maybe at the same time, put your hand on your heart. Those of you, I just wanna know who I'm praying for. Many of you put your hands on your heart. And those of you that need wisdom, we just need to ask and He gives to all men and women liberally. If you need wisdom right now, maybe we need to raise both hands. I like every day I need wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. The wisdom that's from above is pure, peaceable, willing to yield, full of good fruits, full of mercy. Right now, Lord, I speak Your wisdom into every heart. Lord, I thank You for direction, decisions with jobs, decisions with finance, decisions for this second half of the year. Lord, that You would put an idea, a strategy in mind that they will be able to step out and know what it is that they need to do. I thank You for reassurance that You are speaking right now. So we speak Your Name, Jesus, over every heart and every mind right now. Let's lift our hands. There's something that's proven. When we lift our hands, it actually gets the blood circulation around our brain and our heart. It makes us physiologically feel better. When we lift our hands, we're also surrendering every care. God, I surrender. When I'm overwhelmed, God, I look to You. Speak into my heart right now. I speak Your Name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the C3 Podcast. If this message has spoken to you today in some way, we would love to know. Reach out to us at hello at the c3.uk. And if you want to extend the reach of what we do here, why not consider giving by going to the c3.uk forward slash giving. And as always, subscribe to our channel and share this episode with a friend. We hope to see you soon.